Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for November 9th, 2020, post-election edition, in which we confirm that Donald Trump is a fucking loser. Featuring poet J.P. Howard leading our workshop and the open mic, I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic, formerly held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill in non-pandemic times. Since the pandemic began, we've been doing the Yup virtually via Zoom. For more info, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Linda Q, Seth Leeper, Joanna Oltman-Smith, Suzanne S. Austin Hill, Harvey Sauce, Rita A. Simmons, Stella Lee, Todd Friedman, Tarika Chandran, Kim Brandon, Bridget Duffy, Frank Rubino, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, Lila Rudishauser, Arthur Russell, Kayla Schwab, Preeti Shah, Robin Romeo, Josephine Blair, and last but not least, Rebecca Vega Romero. So, before we get to the action, I'd just like to confirm again that Donald Trump did in fact lose the 2020 presidential election. Let's get to the poets, who will confirm this as well. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for November. Enjoy. Okay, uh, now that uh, we are recording, uh, welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yop uh, for the open mic. Uh, we are excited to hear these poems tonight. Uh, post-election, um, post uh, <laughs> every day feels like hell. Uh, now every day hopefully feels a little bit better than hell. Uh, in fact, hopefully is filled with some joy. Um, I know I feel that way, and uh, hopefully this workshop that J.P. Howard led has helped you uh, remember that, as as we've also you know remembered a lot of what 2020 has put us through. Um, I want to make a couple of announcements before we get to the open mic, uh, or actually before we get to J.P. Howard, who will feature before the open mic. Uh, one thing that is coming up for Brooklyn Poets uh, next Wednesday, November 18th, uh, the Brooklyn Poets Reading Series, the last installment of the reading series, uh, is coming your way back on Zoom at 7 p.m. Uh, we are featuring three readers as usual. Uh, Jessica Linnae, a former Kaveh Khanum student of mine who has a new book out, uh, Ji An Yoon who is a former Brooklyn Poets student and fellow, uh, very excited. She has a new book out, her first book. Uh, and last but not least, uh, writer you all know, Hanif Abdur-Akib, uh, will be headlining next Wednesday, uh, something that we are all obviously very excited about. So that event is free. Uh, we're gonna send a newsletter out about it tomorrow and promote it on social media. But if you go to brokenpoets.org right now and check out the reading series page, you will see that info. Uh, it is free and open to the public, but you do have to register on Zoom. Uh, just like you did for this event, uh, except this time you don't have to pay. <laughs> so uh, it's it's going to be great. Uh, again, next Wednesday, November 8th, 18th at 7 p.m. We'll be back on Zoom. Um, the December YOP, I want to make clear, just in case uh, it's still confusing to anyone. Well, I'm not sure why it would be confusing <laughs> unless you're in my admin mind. <laughs> But uh, this is how I think. Um, in December, we are going to be having the YAWP not on the second Monday of the month as usual, but on the first Monday. And there's a reason why, which I will explain in a second. But on Monday, December 7th, 
that is when our next yop will be. So that is only, that's what, one, two, three, that's actually still four weeks away because this is one of those weird months where we have five weeks in between yops. So on Monday, December 7th, we will be back uh, doing the yop, the last yop of the year. Constantine Jones, who many of you know, uh, will be leading that yop. Uh, Constantine is one of our co-winners of Yop Home of the Year from 2019 and has also uh, joined the Book and Poets faculty. Uh, they've been teaching a couple of workshops for us over the uh, course of the last year. So that will be a great way to close the year. Uh, and the reason why we are moving that yop up to December 7th is we are hosting the Poem of the Year Smackdown separately for the first time. And that will be on Monday, December 14th. So the following Monday, which would have been the normal yop year. Uh, what this means is this year for the first time, we will actually have 13 contestants for a poem of the year because usually what we've done is we've done the final yop and the poem of the year smacked on the same night and if you've attended that event you know it's been great but the event also runs really long because we're trying to do everything at once so uh, i'm trying to manage uh two events and make them both uh you know uh, sort of normal event length and and not this kind of epic thing because you know that was one thing to do it in person but it's another thing to have like a three and a half to four hour event on zoom which is not something that any of us want to do um, so that means that uh, tonight is the second to last uh, slot available for the 2020 Poem of the Year Smackdown, which promises to be the uh, Poem of the Year Smackdowns of, of all Poem of the Year Smackdowns, because good God help us, 2020 is the, the year that we really need a Smackdown, because we need a Smackdown for the year itself. Um, but whoever wins tonight, and I'll explain to in a second what that means if you haven't joined us before, you will have the second to last slot. And then on December 7th, there will be one final slot uh, for the Poem of the Year Smackdown. Um, so uh, to explain, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, that every month during the open mic, uh, we vote for Poem of the Month by audience vote. Uh, so the way you do that is just by texting me, and I'm gonna put this into the chat in a second, at 718-374-1953. Um, you can just tell me the poet's name and that will count as a vote. Um, we are really excited about this Smackdown because we got a lot of great poets, uh, some of whom are reading tonight, including uh, at least one member of our staff, uh, Jay Eason, uh, who I think was our first winner from last December when we were still doing this in the old format. Um, so uh, I sort of lost my train of thought, but uh, December 7th, Final Yop of the Year, December 14th, Poem of the Year Smackdown. Uh, so just so you can put those on your calendar in case you are uh, wanting to know what you're gonna be doing uh, in December before the holidays. Um, we also record every open mic as a podcast, podcast that we call the Yopcast. Uh, I've noticed recently that we went up to 33 five-star ratings, which is incredible. But the, the thing that sucks about that is I'm pretty sure we were at 32 five-star ratings before the pandemic. So uh, apparently during this pandemic, none of y'all have been fucking listening to any podcasts or rating them. So uh, it would be great if uh, some of you that haven't rated us yet on iTunes would go and do that because the more we get ratings and subscriptions, the more people listen to the podcast, and uh, most importantly, the more people that actually listen to these poets that are sharing their poems on the open mic. Um, so if you could do that, that would be great. We would appreciate it. If you are reading tonight and don't want to be on the podcast, that is not a problem. Just email me and I can take you off the recording. Um, I 
think that is all that I have for you. Yes, <laughs> I can see Arthur nodding. Uh, so we will get right to it uh, because I know JP's got a great feature for us. So before we get to the open mic proper, uh, we are going to turn it over to JP and JP is going to read some amazing poems for us. All right, go ahead, JP. All right, thank you. Thanks again for all the poems you, uh, everybody shared. And I did add in the chat box the um, link to register for my event on Saturday or just to subscribe to my uh, events every month. I send out e email invites, plus I do it on Facebook. Um, all right, so here we go. First poem. And this is where I was talking about the erasure poem. So this poem comes from an actual article. There's a link to the article that I mentioned here, but it was from a New York Times article. Eight minutes and 46 seconds, George Floyd killed in police custody. Erasure poem, warning George Floyd. Poem written on June 2nd, 2020. The death of George Floyd on May 25th, documents show actions by officers turned failed. This poem is an erasure based on an article buried in the New York Times, linked to full bio article, full article. On May 25th, Minneapolis police arrested George Floyd, black man accusing him of buying cigarettes with a counterfeit bill. 17 minutes after Mr. Floyd was unconscious, pinned beneath beneath three police officers showing no signs of life. Video shows officers taking series of actions, leaving Mr. Floyd unable to breathe. Onlookers called out help. Day after Mr. Floyd's death, police fired all four officers involved in the episode. Attorney Freeman announced murder, manslaughter charges against Chauvin officer, pinning Mr. Floyd to the ground. Chauvin is white, kept his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck. Eight minutes and 46 seconds. Video shows Chauvin did not remove his knee after Mr. Floyd lost consciousness and for a full minute after paramedics arrived. Three other former officers remain under investigation. Dear future self, if I should ever forget you, this is my love note to you. You were loved. You were somebody's lover, you were loving, you held parts of all the women you loved somewhere deep in your generous heart. You were heartbroken. You were a heartbreaker too, girl. Sometimes you were heartache. Your heart never grew heavy though. I remember that about you. You were silly, you were giggles. You were somebody's mama. You always wanted to be a mama. Mama was the greatest title you ever had. You were jealous as fuck. You were selfish, you were sad. You held other folks' sadness, especially mama's sadness. You buried hers deep in your heart. You were swag, girl. Leo, charm, and confidence. Could nobody crack you up as much as yourself? You were cute and you were vain. You wore lipstick under your mask during a pandemic because you were cute and vain. You loved your family. Your lover loved you for decades. Sometimes you would ask yourself, how I get so lucky? You loved people. You were at home on a stage in front of a mic, sitting with community in a circle or talking one-on-one -on -one with a friend for hours on end in a coffee shop. You were a poet. You are a poet. This is your love poem to yourself, Jay. Pride poems, <laughs> thank you all. Pride poems are why I write my story. I write my story so a woman somewhere knows that she can love another woman and still live. I scream my story because once I too was scared of what other folks would think if they found out it was a woman's touch I craved. 
in a room full of strangers, I take the mic and reminisce about a woman I loved who once broke my heart because I want another woman to know I'm still here. I speak the name folks have called me, Dyke, Bulldagger, Leslie. I repeat the names folks have called me, Dyke, Bulldagger, Leslie, because those names have never defined me. Sometimes I cry when I say the names of women who were killed just for loving their reflection, like Sakia Gunn. Each night it is the woman I come home to and every morning I wake to sound of a woman's voice. After all these years, it is still a woman who centers me. And this is gonna be the final poem. And I wrote this a few weeks uh, before, before we voted. Um, Tankers for America during an election year. Some men be trigger, walking kegs of gunpowder, their words straight bullets. We must pull up our armor cause we trying to survive. Some men's words hollow, some leaders be sore losers. Real losers can't lead us anywhere, just to polls and voting booths to speak out. Here we go. <laughs> thank you. All right, <laughs> thank, you, thank you, JP. Sure, thank you. Uh, I always love hearing you read. Uh, <laughs> I feel like every time you read too, the, you always uh, give props to Leos at some point. Too. I have to, like, I have yeah. to. Usually, I try <laughs> which, to always do that doing a, a Jason Koo reading. Yeah, which is something I always appreciate. <laughs> I'm realizing, I don't think I ever mentioned being Leo in any of my poems, which okay. I'm seems like a that. very un-Leo <laughs> move. So I might have to rectify that. Thank you, too. I think you do. <laughs> uh, all right, thank you so much, JP, again. Um, all right, we are on to the open mic proper, uh, and I believe this is a Yopti viewer, but correct me if I'm wrong, Linda Q. Uh, how are you, Linda? Is this your first time with us? Can you hear me? Uh, we can, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> I don't know if I have my, um, my video on. Um, Does your video not work? I don't think so. Let me see. Okay, it's fine if it doesn't. Okay, I think, yeah, I think I got it. I think I got it. It's on. Um, okay. I don't know if it's working, so this is my new computer, so I have to get used to it. Okay. okay so I, I'm going to share a poem I wrote during the pandemic, or I'm writing, I wrote like in April, but I've been writing it. And I call it, I don't really have a name for it, I just got April 15th. Um, okay, there it is. <laughs> I'm beginning to forget morning. The beginning of sunshine surfacing underneath a gray gray sky. The heat absorb, absorbing wind sound. I admit I wanted to linger on the top of my front door steps and feel the warmth against my legs and arms forever. But not this waking up at noon into hot sunlight. Sleeping through the slit on my blinds, forcing my eyelids down. I want to see the sunlight burning my face. And not this silence, resurrecting memories in this room where shadows pass by. The doors are open, the doors are always open. Okay, thank you very much, Linda. That was beautiful. <laughs> Uh, was that your first time reading for the Yop? Uh, yeah, it's my first time reading any of my poems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm glad you could join us today. That was, uh, I love this poem. Thank you. 
uh, and it's great to end with the door is always open. That's a great, that's a great gateway into the, the rest of the poets <laughs> on this lineup. So thank you for that. Okay. Uh, our next reader, I think, is also another Yop debut, I'm pretty sure. Uh, give it up virtually for Seth Leeper. How are you, Seth? Um, I'm good and maybe just slightly unprepared because I thought I was on the waiting list and didn't know I made it to the final cut. You were, and then uh, some people dropped out. So you got, oh, I probably should have emailed you. You got promoted <laughs> to the main lineup. So uh, get ready. It's your moment. Okay. Uh, well, so thank you. So, all right, so here we go. <laughs> so this is called Barkskin. I cut myself out of you so I could explore the ocean. I grew tall and agile so I could fit between crannies of rock formations. I became putty so I could undulate myself against the torsos of men. I became a cylinder so I could slide off their bellies, then became a trunk so I could find my footing again. I burned my bark skin when I heard the whispers in my branches. As an ember, I floated towards the clouds until their precipitation revived me and bestowed me with wings that rushed me farther away from you. I chased the winds across continents till I arrived at the highest peak. I slept in permafrost till I felt the lava at my heels that pulled me down into the caverns of the earth, where I cooked in the soups of our mother's kitchens before she spat me out as matter and molded me into that form you first envisaged. And now I'm here again, standing head and shoulders before you, with only the desire to crawl back and stitch myself inside you, knowing I must instead so sorry, the chat is, is blocking the last line. Uh, knowing I, thank you so much, who's, yeah, thank you. Knowing I must instead accept this gaze from a familiar stranger. <laughs> All right, amazing. Uh, great poem. I think that was a yop first, uh, people's enthusiasm in the chat blocking the text of the poem from being <laughs> read. <laughs> uh, wow, only on Zoom. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and congratulations yeah. to, uh, your debut. I'm sorry I punked on her name, but the first one. Oh, and Linda. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations to you as well. This is great. I'm glad you could join us, Seth. Keep coming back. Uh, this is great stuff. Um, okay. On to our third poet of the evening, Joanna Oltman-Smith. How are you? I love I love she, she gives her sign too. Apparently this is a thing I should always be doing. Uh, how are you, Joanna? Hi, I'm good. How's everybody? Good. Good to see you guys. I, I've been here, but not for quite some time. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I studied with Jessica many years ago. And uh, I think right? I've come to a couple of yaps in person, but not for a long time. So thanks. Yeah. All right. Go for it. Um, okay. Thank wings. We know the faith, America breath, and America thirst. Ladies strengthened. Gentlemen, love you all, said, never been anything. She yelled, Scranton, God, God, alive. And kid up, there's never faith. Embark together, a healed, remember, spread justice upon each other and steady hands, just like the sun, dawn of history hearts. Eagles, so do I. We've tried and we've not been able to raise you up like this. And you now protect a nation full and spread 
make you sign in the palm of his hand and out of his home, said, when I walked on wings, work on that God, states of America united. The nation, a nation, a nation he will hold, and you on Eagle's faith with troops now bear, grandpa and our grandmother and Joey, Joey, my God, may let us be, may united with love and thank country and thank wings. This is taking Biden's speech he just gave and playing with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I see that in your epigraph with you. What a great idea. So when did you, did you write this on Saturday? Literally. I, I, want, I was like, everything I wrote before doesn't even matter now because everything's changed, right? So. Um, well, it still matters because everything <laughs> has changed and everything has stayed the same. <laughs> so, uh, but, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, my 2020 poem was about how all words have departed. So it was nice oh. to get back to that. Thanks. Yeah, it was nice to get back to someone that actually sounded like a president. Uh, it's like, wow, it was such an incredible difference. Uh, I love homolexical incantation. I feel like I need to say that in my poetry class tomorrow and scare everyone. Uh, your assignment for today is homolexical incantation and not explain what that means. Um, okay, thank you, Joanna. Great stuff. Um, our next poet, uh, is no stranger to any of you, that's been coming over the last few months, uh, Suzanne S. Austin Hill. How are you, Suzanne? I am fine. How about you all? I'm doing great. And I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like people are feeling good. I'm feeling pretty good myself. Thanks for being here. And I'm glad I'm here. The Poet on April 29th, 2020. The Coronacation Chronicles, total, totally too much. How much bad news can a person take? Enough to make me lie awake. Unlike Chicken Little, the sky is falling. This virus, the president's not forestalling. Hour after hour, the same refrain. Incredible, bigly, you're not to blame. Numbers rising, infections and death. Until they decrease, just save your breath. Should we stay or go? Open or close, families wrought with deeper throes. Back to work without the test, live or die, forced choice at best. In life, there should be no excess, barring love thy neighbor to be blessed. I'll change the channel or turn it off. At Judge Judy's decisions, I'd rather scoff. The poet on November 7th, 2020, irregardless. This baby boy was once someone's cute, cuddly, pink, pudgy, bringing joy, hope to the family. Maybe it was a reserve distance mother, something in her breast milk squeezed out through the alveoli, traveling down the ducts to her nipples. Or maybe it was an authoritarian manipulative father in the wasteland where anything good was devalued and degraded, the evil found a home and matured. Though fatherly, uh, through fatherly mismanagement, this bad, bad seed came to be. The petulant child who would not, could not be reprimanded, was not, is not punished, will not, cannot be shamed, taught to be a killer, told you are a king. What can be done? Too much, too little, too late, nothing at all. Wickedness has already taken root. Maybe he was fathered by Satan, spawn of the devil, an inimmaculate conception. After all, the devil is the father of lies, and sins of this father inevitably become sins of his son. 
Now the man is no one's but his own, not fit mentally, physically, and definitely not spiritually. He stood in front of a church, but the church isn't in him, and he is president. He might grab your mother, sister, daughter, or wife by her genitalia, and that's okay. He separates immigrant children from their parents, from cages, tear-stained faces will eventually cry out, eres tu mi mamita? He tells us COVID numbers are up because we test. We can get out and about with abandon. We're turning the corner. COVID is behind us. His plan is to steal, kill, and destroy, the same as his father, who was a thief, and the other, who is the thief. What hasn't he stolen from us? He's trying to kill us with herd mentality. Democracy's traditions and values destroyed. Whatever he touches dies, a slow, agonizing death. I can't breathe. He is difficult to like, love, and forgive. He is the picture of Dorian Gray personified. Can we uninstall the last four years? We've got a virus. Today we started disinfecting the Oval Office. Okay. Wow. I felt a lot of my trauma coming back <laughs> during that. Oh, oh man. Thank God. Uh, I love this verb. Can we uninstall the last four years? Yeah. I mean, if only. Uh, thank you, Suzanne. So you're feeling good? Feeling much better. Thank you. <laughs> you, all yeah. have, you all have released the beast and the crack in me. <laughs> I'm glad. Write a poem that I would normally not write in a voice I would normally like use, and yeah. this place where I knew it would fit in quite well. So thank you. Yeah. See, so did you write this on Saturday? Uh, I started the beginning in April. I've been working on everything up to maybe the last two or three lines over the last week, and then nice. I did finish it on Saturday. All right. Well. Thankfully, you, you got a good result so you could finish this poem in a, in a better way uh, instead of like a completely tragic way. <laughs> or really, you wouldn't have been able to end the poem because we would just still be going through it, which would be horrible. Uh, okay. Thank you, Suzanne. Our uh, next reader is Harvey Sauce. How are you, Harvey? Two things, if I may. First, I'd like to invite you all to, uh, as I usually do, uh, to Artful Dodger's Poetry, our next open mic featuring uh, Russian uh, poetess uh, Gina Gruz uh, with English translations by Anton Yukovlev uh, will be this coming Saturday at 4 p.m. I've posted in the chat uh, an invitation to join. We have uh, a generous open mic as well. Uh, just a couple of things with respect to uh, the, uh, the poem I'm about to read. Uh, Asit Mandelstam was... Uh, a, a great Russian poet who was uh, essentially murdered by Stalin in 1938, uh, either through starvation or uh, deprivation, uh, was arrested twice by Stalin. The first time he was saved by a compatriot of Stalin, Bukharin, who factors into the poem until Bukharin's protection was uh, lost uh, when he himself was executed by Stalin. The reference to the Georgian refers to Stalin on poetry as a motive for murder. Only in Russia, Mandelstam said, can critical thinking get you killed, or words to that effect. If not from the fusillade of a firing squad with 
rifles pointed variously at head or heart, a lack of caution having put him in the crosshairs, then from the polar bear-like hug of Vladivostok, or perhaps starvation. Should you dare to peer over the hedgerows the Kremlin hemmed you in with, winter roses with petals of barbed wire, you face elimination, death punching your ticket at a collection point. In the end, the poet's body bed proved warmer than his clothing, his tongue having launched too many honest words that stung his reputation a tinnitus whispering in the tyrant's ear, I am here, I am here, with the voice of the internally exiled. After 47 years of walking this earth, reviled as a free thinker, having shrugged off the steel codpiece he was neutered with, the poxy blanket authority sought to drape over his two straight shoulders. It had to end this way. Nothing Sovietized was ever free. Every word, even those of noted poets, had a price tag attached. On 27 December 1938, he paid the price. Lap dogs of the Writers' Union, a patter cheeky on short leashes, sniffing his body for signs of life. Their decision, dead, insufficiently red meat. The cause of death, a self-inflicted tonsillectomy possibly incurred by talking back too sharply and once too often to power. Forced transportation stuck in his throat where poems should be. The coroner's report had there been one calling this a regrettable incident. The Georgian silent, not caring to hear anything more about this man, foolish, brave, who no one after Bukharin had been put down could or cared to save who in his last days had stood on a cold station platform facing the Sea of Japan, bereft of hat, coat, gloves, waiting to be greeted by the eternal. All right. Thank you, Harvey. Uh, I love it. Asit Mandelstam, back from the dead. Uh, thank you for this. Are you a big Mandelstam fan? I didn't know this. I actually have a second poem in the works uh, back in a lifetime ago, before I stopped writing poetry. Uh, I encountered Mandelstam in a bookstore on the second floor in Boulder, Colorado, uh, when I was sleeping on rooftops, basically on a tar beach. Uh, and I think I may have stolen a book of his, because I didn't have any money to buy anything with. That's the poem that's in the works. Um, and I've always had a sort of a thing for him and, and frankly wondered whether, uh, since you know, my family comes from essentially the same area, uh, hmm. whether we might be distantly related. So, yeah. Interesting. That would I, be cool uh, if you were distantly related. Absolutely would be. Yeah, he's a great poet. Uh, if you all don't know Manoshtan's work, you should definitely read it. Uh, there's a memoir by his wife too, Nadezhda. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, all the uh, this describes great you know visits by the secret police and all kinds of harassment and it's yeah. terrifying. It's called Hope Against Hope. Yeah. 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 Really it's amazing good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've done my reading, Frank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were you in that bookstore? You know, it was before your lifetime. So yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, thanks for mentioning that too, Frank. Uh, okay, thanks, Harvey. That was, that was great stuff. Uh, okay, our next poet, Rita A. Simmons. How are you, Rita? I'm fine. Happy to be here. This is called Elsewhere. I can hear the elevated train as I lie awake at night. Why does it bring me back to the many places I've laid my head? Not back to childhood cribs and bunk beds, but the cot in the Bronx when I was fresh out of college. The pull-out couch in my apartment in Jersey City. The loft bed in Morningside Heights. The single bed in the railroad apartment in Brooklyn that everyone walked past in the morning at night. The walls in my room always white and bare, screaming, I'm not here for long. Then I met you. Never transitioned to a double, but went straight to a queen. I never would have imagined such closeness, such space. We hung pictures on the wall. My poetry, your Yankee greats, Our Lady of Guadalupe, a crucifix, and Frederick Douglass. You liked to watch boxing on TV while I read. I stirred in the early morning when you left for work until the day you stayed in bed. Then came the oxygen, the underpads, the blue plastic gloves, and tumors so protruding, we could no longer share our queen-sized bed, where I lie awake at night and listen to the train. It doesn't take you away, but brings you near as you stretch your long legs in a king-sized frame this moment of closeness and so much space, my permanent rest elsewhere. Wow, thank you, Rita. That was beautiful. Um, just, <laughs> I love this uh, list of beds that um, you've laid your head, assuming this is you. It seems, yes. like, a, seems like a classic New York City poem. I also love, I just love the idea of elsewhere and the word elsewhere too. Um, wow, amazing stuff. Thank you. Um, I don't know what else to say about it, but amazing. Thank you for it. That was a beautiful, beautiful poem. Okay, our next poet, uh, Stella Lee, whom we all heard, who just blew me away in that workshop. I couldn't believe she wrote that poem she read in 15 minutes. <laughs> just makes me feel really bad about myself, but great for her and great for the art of poetry. Uh, Stella, how are you? I'm okay, I'm relieved, but you know, there's still yeah. a lot of work to be done. Exactly. <laughs> all right, go for it. Right. And I gave my love. Blue, I want you to be the longest color, to last me years for every time I refuse travel. Lock my heart in silver cages and let sweet birds get in my limbs. This comb holds each corner of my memories of you as I rake my head, wait and count the folds as they form, each bulge pushing the edges of these jeans fuller. My eyes hold on and push back tears with a smile, ounce by ounce, closer to what no one could ever want. 
I hang my head on sighs and grow wider. These walls breathe my sadness, collect dust in corners, cool my bed with ultraviolet, and fill this desert oasis with moonless nights as my voice gasps for air. Sailing cautiously, deep blue turned back. I always wanted the feathers of songbirds to lighten my gait, but there are so many yous who come first as my heart pours on the ground to soften your steps. My fingers, restless as they tie strings to my breath inside this house, I let sorrow in to give it respite, watch it smear the walls and hang its hat on my lamp, its coat on my head. You walk in and my heart screams out. I don't let anyone work in my kitchen or clean the soles of my worn shoes. Each step presses into pavement and the ground pushes me back. I peel off the blue, arms wide open to hold, touch down to kiss the ground and hold in my chest the longest wave of light. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think you could top the poem you read in the workshop, but You're so uh, kind. <laughs> this, I'm not kind. I'm just truthful. This is like unbelievable. Uh, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. What is this line here? Uh, as my heart pours on the ground to soften your steps. My goodness. Uh, thank you, Stella. Thank I don't you. anyone work in my kitchen or clean this with my worn shoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. This is, I feel like, uh, wow. Um, these last two poems have really broken, uh, broken like a lyrical threshold for all of us. I feel like we're, we're in a new space now. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Stella. Thank you, Rita. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm a little bit, my mind is a little bit frazzled right now. Uh, Todd Friedman. Hello. How you doing? How's Sunset Park? How are you? I'm good. Uh, this poem's about Borough Park, though. Yes. Uh, it happened last month, and uh, wow. it feels like so long ago now, and there's so much more that I'm sure is going to happen this year. <laughs> All right, man. Go for it. Okay. A Beating in Borough Park for Berish Getz and Jacob Kornblow. They beat you, Berish, beat you and knocked you out cold, beat you and sent you to the hospital, beat you because you urged them to wear masks, beat you while they burned a whole pile of them, beat you while you filmed them, while, you labeled, while they labeled you snitched in the midst of a plague. Now they're out in the street waving the flag of the chief mask mocker. You have to admit it takes a special talent to attract proud boys, neo-Nazis, white supremacists of all stripes, and Hasids too, all awash in their vision of making America hate. Days later, the mob swarms in front of the building of a Hasidic journalist they also attacked during the riot. They block his building, taunting him. Their leader, who has been arrested, calls them his soldiers as he declares a holy war. Will someone please remind this mob what Moses urged us to choose, what the Talmud instructs us to do when lives are in danger? These are my distant cousins, 
these are my fellow Jews, but I can't help imagining them in a different attire, minus their beards and peyote, marching in Charlottesville alongside some very fine people. Wow, thank you, Sha uh, Todd, that was amazing. Uh, <laughs> what a four years, huh? What a, what a this year, especially. Um, how do you feel now, having written that and uh, after Saturday? Do you feel better? Uh, I, I definitely feel a sense of relief. Uh, I, I was very happy to uh, go around Prospect Park and see everything that was going on. Were you there on Saturday? Because I was there. I, I went. I went there around three o'clock, and I. That's about when I got there. Yeah, I <laughs> Holy wanted. Shit. To, I wanted to see what was going on. I um, wish I had known that. I should have emailed you or something. <laughs> you were like, "How's Beacon?" Yeah, I drove down to to Brooklyn. I was in Prospect Park. I think we were there like three thirty or four. We were there for like maybe two or three hours. Uh huh. Yeah, it's good times. But but I but I hear that uh, Trump wants to hold some rallies now, and I, I'm 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 terribly afraid why. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> We've got our work cut out. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, I feel confident. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you can lie and lie and lie, but the data is there. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to to lie against tens of thousands of votes. Um, okay, thank you, Todd. Thank you. That's great. Our next poet, uh, the newest member of our Broken Poets staff, uh, former student of mine at Quinnipiac University, currently on leave because Quinnipiac University is a total shit show, as many other universities are. <laughs> uh, I'm sure she's happy to be away. Give it up for Tarika Chandra. How are you, Tarika? I'm good. I did not know I was next, so now my heart is pounding, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we like to surprise people for their first time. Uh, oh, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, this is called The Sandwiches, Sandman, and Politics Man. Conversations on the train are interesting to hear because there are different lives traveling and their end destination seems to be your ears. So now you get to choose which one you want to be a part of. This particular Sunday morning, my ears and I eavesdrop ourselves into the world of the sandwiches, salmon, and politics man. He has a light Italian accent, strong enough to be detected, but light enough to be loved. So I step into his world and hear him talk about what makes the perfect sandwich. Plenty of meat, soft yet crispy artisanal bread, and crunchy vegetables. His demands aren't too extraordinary. Yet his voice leads the conversation with authority and strength as he moves into the next topic at hand, salmon. Something I can tell he's a little more passionate about because his voice gets a little louder and a touch deeper. His arched back is now straight and his folded arms are let loose so that they too could talk. And then somehow this conversation about salmon turned to one about politics. This also happened to be when I stopped listening. Instead, I was just staring, rude, I know. But I wanted to come up with a theory as to why this man was bald. I assumed he was bald because of all the stress began to lose a few strands when he started thinking about what he would do if his neighbor forced him to house their guest in his backyard. Some strands left him when his uncertainty about his unwelcome guest caused him to pluck his hair. He started to worry about the safety of his two daughters. The remaining fell off when he contended with himself 
on how to go out feeding his, his guests. He could share his expensive cut of freshly caught salmon or just toss them a few poorly made sandwiches. Slowly the thunder of his opinions began to mask the rumbling of the train and his face grew red. His wife touched his arm and 48 years of marriage seemed to amount to that one moment. Immediately he arched his back and slumped back into his seat. Are you still with us, Tarnika? Her screen froze. Yeah, I think her screen froze. Yeah, I was wondering if that was me, my connection, but so you're all seeing the hers. same thing? Yeah, I think it was hers. Well, that's too bad. Let's see if, is she still here? I'm back, I got kicked out. Oh, crap. Sorry, okay. my internet connection. Let's, I think uh, it sounds nervous that I wasn't just kicked me out. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think it's good now? No, but I'm back. Um, yeah, I mean, I still only have like a few bars, but. Okay, let's have you read the poem again, because uh, I would hate to that to, to, to be your first experience. This might go out again. I'm we'll sorry. we'll just we'll just go for it. I if it happens again, then it'll it'll just happen again. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right, go for it again. Are you there? Uh-oh. Maybe not. Oh, it froze again. Yeah, the sex. There you are. Oh, there she is. <laughs> are you with us, Tarika? Oh, I'm here now. Okay, wow, you're not lying about Hello. this internet connection. Can you hear me? <laughs> no, I'm not. All right, well, maybe let's let's <laughs> pick it up at the end. Uh, I can't remember when you froze, but... Uh, I, I think I was almost done. Rumbling yeah. of the train. If she starts from the rumbling of the train, that'll be good. Yeah, okay. let's, well, let's so, pick it up. Okay, let's, I'll start from the rumbling. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let's pick it up with the start of a new sentence because I might be able to splice this together on the podcast. <laughs> where does the where does the new rumbling of the train? Did she freeze again? <laughs> she did. <laughs> oh boy! Wow. Yeah, it's tough. All right, let's see if she comes back. I'm just trying to get these last. Trying to get the ending of this poem in. We're all hanging on the edge of our seats. Aw, I know. Aww. <laughs> We're so close. So close. <laughs> oh, wait. I think we might have lost her entirely. We lost her, I think, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Well, uh, I don't want to hold it up too long in case she might never come back. <laughs> uh, I keep going through my participants. I don't see her. Okay. Well, uh, you know, you can read the poem here. So I'll just let's leave it up for maybe f five more seconds. Maybe she'll come back. And uh, it is, incidentally, it really makes me want to eat salmon tonight, which is definitely not the point of the poem, but uh, I love salmon. Okay, uh, well, uh, we, will, <laughs> we, will, we will move on. Um, she comes back. Uh, we will check in with her. Our next poet uh, is uh, no stranger to all of you and uh, really enjoying uh, the work she's doing in my current workshop for Book of Poets, Silence and Sound. Kim, how are you doing tonight? I'm sure you're feeling I'm good. I'm good. good. How are you doing? I'm good. 
Hi, Kim. Great. I have to give a shout out. Hey, Kim. Hi, <laughs> All right, go for it, Kim. Oh, house keys. Always moving, out pacing poverty and eviction, filling up the car in the cold in the middle of the night, hoping it don't backfire and wake the landlord, skipping out on three months of our overpaid rent bills, knowing the drill, knowing how to creep without getting caught, knowing how we had to pack up everything the day before and tiptoe out while carrying boxes downstairs. Little legs get agile. James Brown saying, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Over the car radio, knowing that pride was a slippery notion, especially when your parents can't afford the rent. Somehow mama manages to find a new rotting place for us to live. We glide smooth into new apartments, hope fades, knowing that in no time at all, it'll be a lost job. Miss Lady won't pay on time for having her giant ass house clean. And we will all pile into the car with everything we own, hopefully, James Brown is on the eight-track playing. Get up on the good foot. When us kids finally realize that mama and daddy are lesser gods, moving from place to place, hurling house keys from open car windows. All right, great stuff. <laughs> you got a great reaction from the crowd. Oh, man. Oh, I love this poem. Man, mom and daddy are lesser gods. That is a killer line. Uh, this makes me want to listen to some James Brown. I'm surprised I haven't done that yet after Saturday. <laughs> have, uh, have you been playing James Brown since uh, the confirmation of the news? No, I've been yeah. sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> You've been sleeping, yeah, that makes sense too. I think we're all so exhausted. It's like yeah. time to sleep for a minute. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Saturday was great, but then the, one of the bad consequences i was super hung over on sunday <laughs> like i was just dragging all day on sunday so uh, sunday night i slept long and uh i woke up feeling great today um okay thanks very much kim uh great stuff as always our next poet uh has been coming the last few months and killing it how are you bridget bridget hey Duffy? i'm getting better how are yeah. you i'm great <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we all feel lighter, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess before I get started, I just wanted to give a brief content warning um, for depictions of racism and I guess what we could call state-sanctioned violence. Um, I think it's a story a lot of people know, but just an FYI, speaks to our time for sure. Uh, I have sinned times without number. The thing began with a familiar cruelty. The reverend's good little girls had great fun throwing fits, their shrieks slicing into the January silence of the village. People would believe that strange Tichiba with the dark, wonderful eyes capable of anything. Besides, her fireside stories of a warm, wild country could not be born, not among Christian people. Our eyes turned next to the sharp-tongued Sarah Good, who'd made such a disgracefully low marriage. 
and the nasty Sarah Osborne, who'd done much worse, taking her poor dead husband's land for herself, and that immigrant. I'm sure I never saw her on Sundays, but I should not make excuses for us. We would not have done it, I'm sure, if not for Putnam's strange child. Her quarried stone face would turn slowly towards her father before her legs seemed to give up, and the witch fit would roll over her body. Some days, she'd drive sewing pins into her arms and show us the blood. Others, she'd open her mouth and let the scream out, long and high and rasping. None of us had seen such before. Church-going girls don't tell lies. And so, and so we pulled off their clothes in search of a third nipple from which the devil's beast could drink, a sure sign of witchery. Tichiba willed her confession, her gnarled hands traveling from her bare breast to point out conspirators, first Osborne, then Good, and even little Dorcas Good, just four. We put the baby in the prison after the good members began to complain of bites on their arms. Martha Corey declared that New England had no witches. We hung her from the tree on that high, awful hill. But she wasn't the first. That was Bridget Bishop. And she not the saucy young innkeeper you remember, bewitching men with her hair and her hips, but an old woman without family and without protection. Her face was an accusation all the way to the gallows. I looked away. It went on quickly after that. We got used to people beginning to shake and weep and cower from specters we could not see before pointing their fingers, no longer only towards the undesirables, but respectable members of the church. Still, the wicked ones tended to be women with something to lose, a baby, an orchard. The Lord taketh, you know. He took Rebecca Nurse and Elizabeth Howe and Susanna Martin and Alice Parker, but it will not do to tell you all their names. The witches rented sad lines from a cramped prison, so hot and so foul I imagine they were glad to leave it. As the killing rope was passed over their head, the good reverend would remind them where they were going. When it was over, we'd let their bodies fall into the crevice below. The next day, the bodies would be gone, which we took as evidence that we'd been right to do what we did. That strange, cold spring turned brutal summer, catching us by surprise. But autumn came on time, and we could not help but think how the witches dropped like leaves, falling suddenly towards the earth and forming a lifeless pile there. Then it was winter again. Those that avoided the gallows and survived the cell were invited up the prison stairs. They climbed slowly, blinking the sun from their eyes for the first time in so long. I cannot explain how the madness ended. Perhaps we ran out of witches. Perhaps we just grew cold. Wow, thank you. <laughs> you thank see, you. Yeah, I think you can see from the reaction of the audience. <laughs> that, that was incredible. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to say. I'm, just, I'm speechless. Uh, great poem. Thank you. My wife would love this poem. She loves witches and everything, <laughs> everything associated with witches. Uh, okay. Thank you very much, Bridget. It's, Thanks. Man, Happy to be kill, here. Killing it every month. Uh, oh, sorry. I don't know what I just did there. Um, our next poet 
was uh, schooling us earlier tonight on some good reading. <laughs> uh, Frank Rubino, how are you? Hi, I, I'm I'm pretty good. I, I didn't mean to school you. I was just. Uh, oh no, no, no! I say that uh, with affection. <laughs> I was. I mean, just, you're not schooling me, Frank. You're schooling you're schooling the rest of the audience. Actually, you actually remembered it, whereas my my mind is kind of like Swiss cheese. But <laughs> all right, go for it. Um, I brought a poem for you tonight called "Sleeping, Waking, Dreaming." In struggling to stay awake late into the night, watching reality TV about endurance in the shrinking Arctic containing many tough predators, or the boys losing on the football bench saying, that's just them wanting it more. I'm trying to evade feelings of futility and eventlessness and inject the fabricated meaning of other lives into my own. In the beautiful dark you make when you Pull your lamps, full chain. I don't know where I am, but I'm not lost. I'm tuned into the phosphorescent minerals in the deep cave's wall. This is me and you in the joy of discovery. In falling asleep, I'm trying to relieve the boredom of tech, tech, tech. In dreaming of my dead father in a serape and Franciscan sandals, in the grass-floored teepee doorway, come to see how I'm doing. I'm loving deeply and alive to the ages. In waking with sharp pain and pressure, I'm trying to contain my bladder by curling around it as one piles the embers. In getting up to pee, I give up and break the spell of sleep. And I'm moving mechanically according to animal need, and scored in behavior to not wet the bed. It's dark, but I know the way. In lying down again next to you, I'm automatic and experiencing a relative high point in bodily well-being. With pressure relieved, my hips open and my legs stretch out and I float again to sleep and dreams in falling asleep, in falling asleep, in a serape and Franciscan sandals, I'm trying to let go of my body for a while. In stress dreaming, an old job, I find paintings I made years ago behind my desk and mount them in my cubicle as new and selected. In waking to your sharp coughs, which have afflicted you, resisting diagnosis, disrupting your work and racking your whole body day and night. I try to separate my hatred of the cough from you to get in the cold truck with my father and drive into Newark. And I do a muddled sifting of psychic dust and push the hot feelings into their own piles as one piles the embers. In putting my hand on your hot back, I feel your coughs hit the ground like 500 pound daisy cutter bombs. In falling asleep again, I dream a poem. In waking, I lie in dread of the coming day as work corners like coffin corners box in closer with yesterday's unerasable news and my brain lights up buried alive 
in 10 years of wasted time on a failed business. In pushing myself from bed, I look out the window at the pink dawn, breaking over the neighbor's solar panel roof and the nude tree, pinkly gold, that rises so far above this problematic realm. I take my pills and go downstairs and compute, have I not had lucky charms every day this week? In fact, yesterday I had unlucky charms, and yet I feel the power of circumstance might today shine benevolent, and I hear you come down the stairs for coffee in your silver hot pants you wear sleeping, and your smile lights up my smile, and we decide the disposition of this day. Jason, you're muted. God damn it, what a rookie mistake. <laughs> uh, I'll mute myself so I can uh, make sure my screenshots don't uh, click through the poem. But I was saying uh, I really need to get some Lucky Charms for tomorrow because uh, that was my favorite cereal growing up. And uh, it occurs to me that that's the proper way to celebrate this uh, election news. Are they still magically delicious? They are. Amazing. <laughs> uh, what does your shirt say, Frank? The Incredible... Incredible Hulk. Oh, the Incredible Hulk. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just saw the Incredible. <laughs> I was curious. What is the rest of that? Yeah. Um, okay. Thanks very much. Thank you. Our next poet, uh, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, no stranger to many of you, uh, constantly kicking ass. <laughs> that seems like a good introduction. How are you, Shanice? Um, I'm doing well, thank you. Also, I mean, I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate, the, um, I appreciate the intro, yeah. Yeah, constantly kicking ass. You need a t-shirt now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go for it. Um, I did want to say that uh, this poem is a work in progress. Um, and it's also a prompt that comes from poets and writers that I thought was really interesting in which um, essentially boil down to focusing on the expressions of the body via poetics and intellect. So that's what I was aiming for. Our complex parts. My tongue may only know one language, but my body speaks essays prose, a sonnet each time I bear my skin. I built this body, knuckle to knee, hip bones in the dark of my eyelids. Bodies speak to one another. A gesture becomes a bed, hands weaving a vocabulary. Bodies fall into rhythm, seek sleep in slumber, our heartbeats speak. This bridge of my back, the soft fall into my thighs. I consider myself a masterpiece. Dried eucalyptus, the pinched nerve of my neck sighing under hot water. My skin drinking, regaining glow, coming back to itself. I caught myself in the mirror this summer and saw the night sky, black velvet with celestial light only reaching us now, lifetimes removed from the source. Gin in my throat, ink on my wrist, my body a novel I continue to rewrite, 
bodies plural like the threat of rain, sudden friction. Through the phone, I try to reach you. I mean, build a theory that our muscles contract, moving toward each other. What parts of yourself do you wish you could see? A raw interior, the catalog of the brain, the places inside where things try to die, where memory wants to fail. For all our complex parts, we are fragile constructions song lyrics and birthmarks, books curled with water damage. Keep breathing, keep breathing. The body needs no reminder. A web of bones contained by soft, tender folds and palm lines. How did we become this way? I mean, how did we become? How did I? Sunlight setting leg hairs on fire. The beauty of a body true only to itself. My body speaks and bleeds, keeps up with the moon, exhales when the train breaks from underground. I once thought it needed to be tamed, broken in, wash of sin and skin. Instead, I listened the beating inside learning its first words. Give grace, learn to hold yourself before I am taken from you. Thank you. Okay, wow, amazing as always. This is just a tour de force of language. Oh man, this is just, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna scroll back through, let everyone see it again. <laughs> uh, I love this, I consider myself a masterpiece. That's a, that's a great moment. Uh, but so many great moments in this, uh, as usual, for all our complex parts, we are fragile constructions. Goddamn, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, great stuff. Uh, thank you for this again. Thank you for illuminating us. Um, okay, our next poet uh, is no stranger to many of you who have been coming to the op, but uh, has just joined our staff officially as uh, one of our bridge editors. Uh, Lila Rudishauser, how are you? Constructing new bios for all of our amusement. <laughs> yeah, I always create these bios with the idea that nobody's <laughs> ever going to see them. And then every time it's just a new realization that that's not the truth, but here we are. Lauded by critics is surprisingly long considering the overall lack of content. Yes, great blurb. Thank you, thank you, they thought so. All right, um, this poem is also a work in progress. Subliminal, sweet boy, he looks up. Something in his eye is a paper kite weightless, lofty. Each aggression done unto him is so poignant his eyes are water. He's sucking his fingers as if they could love him. Soft boy, bare feet, wrinkled nose. His hand twitches into mine like felt. I watch toddlers fall asleep every day. I know their movements, how to tell when they start to slip and drop into plush dark. 
The eyes roll around in their sockets, magnetic lids waver and warm until they close. How do I begin to describe that close? It's every time I drink mint tea and chocolate topped cookies without worrying about the softness of my belly. It's the rumble of a nighttime drive, Cat Stevens humming in the background. It's water in Connecticut, gray skyline, a blur, naked trees shivering with intensity, cattails blown like mint onto frozen water. Ice fishermen trudge there every morning, hunting fish tucked in sunless waters. This is a warm memory. Always the resolute anticipation of a fireplace. I was not scaly. Softness betrayed me. I floated in that lake, chest rising and falling easily, I sprung gills. Now I am so awake and so little aware. Each day for these children is a moment. I almost believe I've made them up, these little lumps in brightly colored sleep sacks. I think I'll shrink my hands, submerge my palms in brackish water, watch them wrinkle until they fit in my mouth. Small hands know better how to hold on to life. My fingers are bulky, awkward nails with crusted life stuck, stuffed between cuticles. So here I sit with a blank head and cruddy fingernails and some arbitrary stuff in between. I'm not what I remember being. My lips are chapped from sucking so-called bones of life. I'm too young to tell muscle from tissue from marrow. I want to suck a peach. Something about that plumpness. Okay, thank you, Lila. Uh, I want to suck a peach. That seems like an update of that famous line from the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Do you know that poem, Do I Dare to Eat a Peach? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you should check that poem out tonight. Uh, T.S. Eliot, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Uh, do I dare to eat a peach? Prufrock asks. So, this seemed like uh, I thought you were alluding to. I want to suck a peach. Seems like a great update of that for 2020. Uh, okay, great stuff. Uh, new staff member, Lila Rudishauser. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I say these things. A new staff member sounds terrible. Uh, new bridge editor. Uh, okay, uh, moving on to Arthur Russell. It seems like you've got a fun bio for us here tonight. It seems like you're taking after taking Lila's cue. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I I get tired of the bios, but this is actually from. <laughs> first of all, I just wanted to thank JP. I thought that was a wonderful. Yeah. It was a workshop will lead to many many more hours of work. Good, and, good. <laughs> good work I, I guess I, uh, I, I've been reading too much Milton, so I thought the invocation was the part that I needed to get out of the way first. But that's the Spande's fault. So um, about this poem, I wanted to say that I went to the Carmine, Carmine Street Metrics reading on November 1st. It's what, what's in the bio. And I saw um, the featured poet there is, was Rena Espiat who's, uh, you know, that could take up my whole three minutes, but she's a wonderful poet. She's written like 29 books. She's a Dominican poet. And uh, 
during the schmooze that occurred on the Zoom before we started the reading, she was talking to a friend of hers about this new job that she'd gotten translating poems from languages she didn't know. So the first two lines of this poem, um, up to the word Tarzan, are from what Rena was saying to her friend about this new job that she had. And then I took it from there. I'm translate, oh, sorry, new job. I'm translating from languages I don't even know. I feel like Tarzan. I translate from elephant, from stomach, from window, from lawsuit. I constantly translate from Jesus, from childhood dream into check the burners on the stove. I translate from why'd I treat you so bad into evening. Evening is my first language, but I've done a lot of work in echolocation. They send me galvanized steel buckets of dry, clean bones, all different sorts of bones. Have you ever held the bones of a fish like a TV antenna by the tail? It would be like translating that or the cotton rope loops of an old fashioned floor mop and remembering something you said or lost. I dump them out on the table and make words. Well, first I warm them between my palms, add a few drops of neat's foot oil, the stuff you'd rub into a baseball glove. And when they soften up, I roll them into balls, flatten them out, and use them to pick up pictures from comic books. Then I make words from them. They send me old Southeast Asian newspapers whose curlicued alphabet frames photos whose color separation is off. And sometimes they include a plant-based meal in a pouch that I can heat up to get the flavor of the piece they want. Whatever I come up with, I email back to them. You'd be surprised how much fun it is. I send it back via email and they pay me for it. It's like getting birds for Christmas. Yellow birds you can dream of setting free. All right, thank you, Arthur. Um, great stuff. This was uh, reminding me, I need to thank you for sending me your amazing uh, housewarming gift. <laughs> uh, the second try. <laughs> and uh, uh, we really appreciated your note. It was, uh, I don't think, I think that's going to be in our fridge forever. This uh, uh, hilarious note that Arthur wrote me. Arthur, <laughs> Arthur and uh, Roseanne Gold sent, sent us a, a joint housewarming gift. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just... I can say, but I appreciated your note and uh, basically uh, uh, making sure that we remember you every time we, we, we buy whatever it is we buy <laughs> with your with your your gift card. Uh, okay, and I'm sure we will. <laughs> I mean, how could we forget you, regardless of that? But but now definitely we will not forget. <laughs> Okay, uh, our next reader is Kayla Schwab. 
How are you, Kayla? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to see everyone. Um, so I wrote this poem in Sheer Ehrlichman's workshop this past fall. Um, it was an awesome workshop and it was really nice to have like a structure for writing because I've definitely been struggling with that for the past however many months it's been. Um, and this prompt we were supposed to kind of like take a text and have a dialogue with it um, just for some context. So it's called Resignation. September 3rd, eight hours is 480 minutes is 28,800 seconds with no air and that's on a good day. Dear, hands rattle against the keyboard, fingertips hot like matches, small matches just after burning out. Please accept this letter as notice of my resignation from my position. A no in a backlog of yes, scraps of the self bookended by Happy Monday and TGIF. My last day of employment will be Friday, September 18th. A lame duck in a dirty pond, swimming through archives, breath holding for betrayal. I have accepted another offer and will be starting at the end of this month. Moving from one ecosystem of depression to the next, so much changes so little. Over the next two weeks, I would like to help my team by transitioning my duties, cast the line and leave it for some other chum to reel and regroup, and sharing the knowledge and resources I've acquired during my time here. Inbox to outbox to inbox to outbox, then delete, 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 delete. I very much appreciate the opportunities you have given me to grow as a writer and a leader. Like screaming out in a crowded intersection, no one seems to flinch, I look forward to staying in touch. Cars keep rushing by, scum rising to the top. Splash, send, log off, reboot. Sincerely, it's not personal. It's just business. It's free enterprise. Kayla Schwab. Does my signature signify writer or person? Will either make a cog more palatable? All right. This is great. Thank you. Uh, so is this... Did this happen for real? The resignation letter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, the non-italic text. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> uh, I love this form. It's a really original form. Thank you. Uh, so funny, but also so painful. <laughs> I love this part, especially. I very much appreciate the opportunities you've given me as a writer and a leader, like screaming out in a crowded intersection. No one seems to flinch. Uh, wow. Employment in 2020. I feel like uh, if Homer were alive, he'd be writing an epic poem. I'm sure we don't need Homer. I, I know that there are many poets writing epic poems about uh, 2020, but uh, employment especially seems to require its own epic poem. Uh, thank you, Kayla. That was perfect. Uh, our next poet, uh, former Poem of the Month winner in 2020, Brooklyn Poets Fellow, give it up for Preeti Shah. How are you, Preeti? How did I get here? Dawning before my 40s, still grating down any calluses, with the remaining notches scratched upon my lover's headboard. The past is the cute mole hiding behind his ear, unbeknownst to its own blossoming. Where my gaze lingers, a second opinion blooms. 
When we pass by one another now, it is what two mirrors see, the thousand reflections of past lives. Mine are beginning to look again, 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 like his own. It is too late to wake up goddess-like with carelessness. It is too late to wake up like my pretty niece again, still threading perfect arches, rounding myself into the moon for older men to wane before. Now I must look into every glassy pool that distorts my father's image. Now I must lie to my lover and call this blindfolding a sex game. Now we must begin at the mouth of the labyrinth with daggers in hand to cut down our unnamed egos, always in search for the center, again, 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 to find one another. Wow, thank you. Hard-hitting poem. <laughs> I love this again, 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 that you repeat twice. Also, it is too late to wake up goddess-like with carelessness. Um, is it though? I feel like, I feel like now you can, maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe post-election. Yeah, post-election. Give yourself one of those. I feel like I haven't myself woken up with, woken up goddess like with carelessness. And I feel like I haven't done that since I founded Brooklyn Poets, to be honest. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a hard, luxuriant state to be in, but uh, I think one that we all deserve. Uh, okay, thank you, Preeti. Thank you. That was wonderful, as always. Our next poet, uh, another Yacht Poem of the Month winner. This year, another Broken Poets fellow, back to back, you're getting this, uh, Robin Romeo. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm still trying to uh, gear back up because a lot of the nonsense we had hoped to escape is, is still around us. Yeah. And uh, so I, I could be better. Right, right. <laughs> All right, the, go for it. Within the expanse known as time, at ground level, a stone bench splits the flow into business suits in a hurry and foot messenger hustle woven into fluid fabric. My little boy tears, seeking to camouflage heaves and whimpers. I'm on break from my desk in a cube between colonnades wrapped in square brick edges and smooth mortar. Eight years after we lost daddy to blood sugar's whims, five years since mommy left by way of a knife finding itself in death's hand, shivering in cold air, thin blade body losing warmth before it is felt. I grind my teeth some nights, irony abrasive between them as I remember her, attuned always to others' pain, forced to feel life drained from her body in streams of viscous red that spread in every direction, then reconnect in idle pools, thickening, slowing, hoping to stanch their own flow, purpling in exile, never to re-enter the heart from which they came. A question of unknown origin rises and writes my breath from so deep in me, it makes no sound. A little boy's thought bolting outside before caution can join it. So fast, it stalls a man's mind, like a dream who, whose dreamer flails, unable to make a sound or hear one or throw a punch, who thrives and tries until rescue comes in the shape of what remains rational in him. Did you get any of the things you wanted even for a fraction 
of 66 years. It's a maturing son's question, a little boy's cadence, a convoluted gratitude. Is the thought as important as we are told? Are feeling sensory objects in dimensions other than ours? I stare through a lens coated with uncertainty, knowing what words were said, scanning every direction for sound. Again, the little boy who waits for an answer only his mother can provide to a question she will never hear. No distance has ever been greater than this, not even the silence between desire and some imagined object of desire. Today is the first I've thought of her as absent from this world. I lose control of my breath, Tear after tear blends at my feet into footfalls on dappled flagstones. Wow, amazing, Robin, as Thank always. You. But uh, this is truly something. Uh, like I've got to scroll back here. These lines in italics just kill me. Did you get any of the things you wanted even for a fraction of 66 years? That is... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think I think probably no. I mean, it's sad, but it, it's, it seems true. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you, thank you, sir, thank you. for another thank beautiful you. poem. Um, okay, uh, I think we've got. Oh, come on! After that. <laughs> well. You know, I mean, you're a staffer, so right. I mean, that's what you got to do. So we're going to hear from from Joe, who's dressed appropriately, wearing her Brooklyn Post t-shirt, or sweatshirt, sorry. And then uh, we've got one poet off the wait list after this. So Josephine Blair, I've updated your bio. Uh, I'd you. like everyone to know that Josephine has moved uh, recently from Brooklyn to Arizona, and she'd moved just, just for the express purpose of making sure Arizona went blue, so... Uh, let's give uh, Joe a big round of applause for that. Single-handedly. <laughs> Me plus all of the Native and Latinx people here who actually made that happen, and Black people. The And plus me, the one vote. Um, cool. I'm really proud of myself for always picking the absolute worst yops to read because everybody is so good. And I'm scared. I don't even like write anymore. Um, but here we go. I've checked to make sure that the person who I live with who happens to be an award-winning poet is not listening to me right now because I don't need that in my life. Um, okay, feel free to read along like or not because I'm me and I've already changed it a lot. Okay, I'm so scared. I don't read poems anymore. Okay, that's not what it's called. <laughs> La Casa de una Amiga. You're in a lift uptown pretending to speak French or devising some cure for infectious disease using ginger and crushed hibiscus from your driver's garden. And even though this one's not an evangelist, you still don't tell him where you're going. Or maybe you do, but in English, because friend has no vowel at the end, just the hollow of the D, an egg that will never hatch, never give you away. Even after you've held my tears like blood on your tongue, killed, then named, then killed me again, to Amiga, your friend, your secret, vessel to hold all secrets, everything you've ever had, you've never had, a friend like me, cabron, pinche cabron, hombre de mi vida. It's so unsafe. 
You can't even tell a stranger how our lips become one fallen leaf against my skin, how you beg me to love you untouched until you're ready. Downtown, I wait for you on the same balcony where we nestled unnoticed, naked against the rust, and Miles Davis played for us through swaying bodies of the neighbor's plants. And we talked about Buenos Aires as if it were a place that might actually be real. And after we came inside, but I didn't tell you I had dreamt again about your funeral. Damn, you would have hated it. There was no dancing, no gin, no drums, no poems in crumbs like people, like bread. The woman you don't love was crying, surrounded by your family. And outside, I dissolved into handfuls of soil, waited for a storm in the shape of you to see me, touch me, give me a name. I am never allowed inside the building. I think I hate Miles Davis. I think you might never leave her. Your car turns on to 11th. And from the kitchen, I watch the fresh limes flinch at the mouth of the blade, poised on the cutting board, the fruit and me ready for your arrival. Goddamn. I think, uh, <laughs> I think you're just fine reading tonight. Yeah, that was great. Uh, seems like you, did you revise it after you sent it to us? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Man, I love I this phrase at the end. The first... The fresh limes flinch off mm. the blade. A great line. Uh, well, I can see why you didn't want him to. I bet he listened. Oh no, I've already read it for him. Like the edited, not edited it, but I mean, I mean, he's eavesdropping behind the door. I'm sure. Like okay, so he's out there watching TV. <laughs> Definitely heard the TV yeah, stop. Yeah. Midway through the poem, and he didn't yeah. turn it back on again. So oh, hi. Yeah. yeah, he definitely listened. He knows. Uh, it's not like he hasn't read this poem. That's a poem. <laughs> uh, poor Miles Davis, the, the victim of your hate. I know, and Miles Davis was so cool. He ruined it. <laughs> no, it's fine. I can listen the to Necessary Miles sacrifice for your love. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that was great. Thank you. Um, okay, so uh, I'm going to stop sharing from my Brooklyn Poets account. We've got one more poet. I'm going to hope that I can share this from my other computer <laughs> using two computers. Uh, we're going to hear from Rebecca Vega Romero. Uh, this is an ad lib. Rebecca's off our wait list. Are you still with us, Rebecca? I am. Sorry. I think I must have sent you the document that didn't have my bio. Whatever. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Well, the poem is the important thing. All right. Go for it. Okay. Um, I'm pretty nervous. This, uh, this, you guys are all amazing, and this is only my second time joining you. Um, and just, I guess, like a trigger warning if you have an eating disorder, don't listen. <laughs> Purge to purify by putrefication. It is an urge to pull out the undesirable depths of myself and flush them away. Like with my middle finger, I could tickle time's back door and out they would pour. Every wrong word, every missed note, every time I froze and let him touch me, every glance in the mirror at my glacial skin, 
With the gentle push of a lever, they could all be flushed away to disappear forever, leaving not a trace of sin to stretch out my belly. It is the delirium approximation of joy, pulling each of your regrets out and flushing them down the toilet. And the only consequence is a hot, sour taste, which with a minty sip you swish gently away. I believe I can unmake myself if only I kneel and purge once more. All right, thank you very much, Rebecca. That was beautiful. I'm glad we got to this poem. Um, wow, what an amazing uh, way to end and uh, what an amazing night. Uh, thank you for all of these poems. Um, I'm happy to be alive <laughs> and uh, hopefully you are too. Uh, it's great to see, I mean, th really these YAPs have kept me going through all of this, uh, as I'm sure they have from, for most of you, but, uh, uh, I feel like it, I know not all of you watch sports, <laughs> but, uh, I feel like, um, you know, last week when we were watching these election results, I was texting some of my Cleveland sports friends that this is, this is it, what it felt like was watching the, the Cleveland sports team like lose <laughs> or, or like, or not necessarily lose, but it would have all the anxiety of watching this, this team that you were rooting for and just like feeling like the worst was going to happen. And, but like this time, you know, we actually won. So I feel like we needed a win, you know, I mean, resistance is important as JP has told us and resilience is important. I think we all understand that already as poets because it's just a natural condition of our lives, you know, cause we, you know, as poets, we live in a world that really doesn't, doesn't care about poetry or poets, even though uh, it depends on poetry. Uh, it's kind of a weird paradox of, of the world that we live in. But, um, you know, uh, so I think we're used to struggling and used to fighting back and used to suffering and, and, and doing all we can in spite of it, but we really needed to win. Uh, and I, I definitely feel boosted because of it. Uh, and I'm glad to share this night with you, uh, celebrating that. Uh, so. Thank you to all of you that shared poems during that workshop. So some beautiful poems that you wrote and shared. And thanks to all of you who read for the open mic. Um, again, we will be back on uh, December 7th, uh, not the second Monday of the month as usual, but the first Monday for our next and final YAP of 2020. <laughs> uh, the uh, farewell YAP to 2020 and uh, partly an FU YAP, I'm sure <laughs> that Constantine Jones will be leading. I can't think of a better person to lead that, that final YAP of the year. And uh, especially since Constantine was one of our co-winners of YAP of the month. So, um, uh, again, if to vote for Poem of the Month this month in November, uh, text text me at 718-374-1953. I'll put that on the chat one more time. 718-374-1953. Uh, just give me the poet's name, and that is uh, all you need to do. And then we will have one more yop and one more vote on December 7th, and then our Poem of the Year Smackdown will come your way in December 14th and that will be uh, I believe our final event of the year. Um, a reminder that uh, next Wednesday November 18th we'll be back on Zoom at 7 p.m. for our final installment of the Brooklyn Post reading series featuring Jessica Lene, Jiyun Yoon, and Hanif Abdur-Aqib. That is definitely an event you don't want to miss. I'm very excited about that. It's free and open to the public. Uh, so uh, go to our website, brokenpost.org, look at the reading series, 
page and you can register on Zoom there. If you're subscribed to our newsletter, you'll get our newsletter tomorrow at 10 a.m. Or if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, you will see the announcement. Um, again, follow us on iTunes, subscribe uh, to the Yopcast, <laughs> rate us on iTunes if you can. Uh, you will hear these readers that read tonight. We usually publish the Yopcast a couple weeks after the Yop. And uh, send me your selfies uh, if you have them. I'm gonna give you my email address, ku at brokenpoets.org. Uh, I would love to see them. We will share them on uh, Instagram. If you post them on Instagram, tag us uh, at Broken Poets. Okay, that is all. I'm going to enjoy a, a really, uh, you know, hopefully a tasty dinner. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what our dinner plans are, but I'm going to go find out downstairs. Uh, thanks again. Uh, love you all. And we'll be back on December 7th. All right. And thanks again to JP Howard for leading an amazing Hi, workshop. Uh, it was wonderful. Hi, guys. Thank you it was so wonderful. much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Good night. There you have it. The Broken Poets Yop open mic for November 9th, 2020 forever enshrined in all of our hearts as the yop that officially confirmed that Donald Trump is a fucking loser. As I produce this podcast right now, I have just gotten yet another confirmation from the state of Michigan that Donald Trump is a fucking loser. And apparently this transition, which should have happened weeks ago, is starting finally, maybe, to begin. So fuck you, Donald Trump. Get the fuck out of the White House. Thank you to J.P. Howard for leading an amazing workshop in November and kicking off our open mic. Uh, we scheduled J.P. to lead this yacht because uh, she's teaching a, or just finished teaching a workshop called Poetry of Resistance for Brooklyn Poets. And uh, we weren't sure how the election would land and uh, didn't know if we needed someone to, uh, you know, fire up some shit just in case more than 70 million Americans voted for a fucking idiot and a loser. Uh, but thankfully, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> 70 million did vote, but uh, many millions more voted uh, for the other guy. Um, it was not perfect, but uh, definitely an improvement from Donald fucking Trump. Uh, have I said how much I fucking hate Donald Trump and am so excited he's not going to be in the fucking White House anymore? Uh, I'm just going to keep saying it for the rest of this uh, post-open mic portion of the podcast. But thank you to JP once again for being awesome and being a Leo and for leading the November Yop. Uh, congrats to longtime yopper Stella Lee, uh, one of my personal favorites uh, uh, as a yopper, as a human, for winning uh, November Yop Poem of the Month by audience vote for her beautiful poem, and I gave my love. Stella has earned the second to last slot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown. Uh, the last slot will be decided on December 7th which is the date of our December Yop. It's one week earlier than usual. We usually do the Yop the second Monday of every month, but this year, as I said during the open mic, if you listen to the whole podcast, that uh, this year we are doing the Yop uh, in December one week early so we can do the Poem of the Year Smackdown as its standalone event on December 14th, the second Monday of the month. So uh, if you're keeping score at home, the next Yop in December December 7th, that will be led by the brilliant Constantine Jones, incidentally, one of the co-winners of Y'all Poem of the Month in 2019. 
Constantine will be leading that yop and will be back on December 14th to uh, read at the end of the night as one of the reigning co-winners of Yop Poem of the Year. Poem of the Year Smackdown is a special, special event. I hope you come out for that. Uh, that will be again on December 14th. I don't know how many times I've said that. If you are interested in signing up for the December Yop, go to brokenpost.org, look under events, you will find the info there. Uh, sign up for that. And then we will have a separate sign-up for the Poem of the Year Smackdown. Okay, uh, that is all. I am excited uh, for the end of 2020, as I'm sure you all are all too. I'm excited about this vaccine news. I am more excited about the new president in the White House. Uh, be safe. Uh, I wouldn't recommend traveling over the holidays. Uh, and if you do, make sure to wear a mask and, uh, you know, don't congregate with, with many, many people. Um, and uh, I hope you will tune in again in December for uh, our next Yopcast and then our separate final podcast of the year celebrating the Poem of the Year Smackdown. Okay, be safe, be well. <laughs>